You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. Very important series we'll be doing for uh, the next one month. And it has to do with um, probably the most important subject in the Bible. Not probably, it is the most important subject in the Bible. And it's... Uh, the love of God. Uh, God, the Bible tells us, is love. And so we want to teach on that, uh, the subject of God's love, or God's character, which is love. Uh, love is the greatest of all human or virtues that we can have in a human being. And it is at the core all right, or the characteristic virtue of our faith. And two things our Christian faith is founded on are these. Now, in, uh, when Jesus taught this, they quoted the Lord to Jesus, and Jesus said, Upon these two things hang all the law and the prophets. And those two commandments were the first one, which is you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, might, and strength, and so on. And then you will love your neighbor as yourself. Upon this two hang everything. But in the New Testament, after the death of Jesus and his resurrection, the commandment is not that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, the commandment is love your neighbor as I have loved you. In other words, it's the love that the Father has shown to you that he expects that we extend to our neighbors. And the two therefore pillars are now not your own love for the Father, but one, the Father's love for you as a person understanding God's love for you and the basis upon which he accepts you. And then the second is that you now extend that same love that he has towards you, you extend it to other people. And we see this exemplified in the teaching of Jesus when he talked about the unforgiving servant. And what happened was the servant came to his Lord and the Lord forgave him of all the debts that he owed, cleared him from the consequence of it, his family and his children. And then uh, that same servant now found another, his fellow servant, who did a fraction or owed a fraction of what he owed to the Lord. And then he held him and threw him into prison. And what Jesus said was, the same love that was extended to you couldn't you extend that same love, all right, to your own fellow servant? So the two pillars now, and we'll see this clearly in Scripture, is understanding how much God loves you as a person. And then the second is extending that same love, all right, to others. So our Christian faith is hinged on these two. God's unconditional love demonstrated in Christ towards us. 
and we demonstrating that, all right, to others. Now, if you look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, we see both commandments there. We loved him because, do you get what I'm saying here? Because he first what? Loved us. Now, when God says you love me because I first loved you, now he now tells us the way we'll see this, we demonstrate that love for him is that we love other people the way he has loved us. That's the way you demonstrate your love for God. In other words, it says we love him because he first loved us, so we understand that it starts with his love, and then we express our own love to him by us extending that same love to others. Let's look at the next verse, verse 20. Next verse here. If a man say, I love God, so we can say, well, God loves us, I love God back. I say, Lord, I love you. God, you know, I love you. God, you know, Jesus, you know, I just love you, all right? Jesus says, hold it, that this is how we will know. If a man says he loves God and hated his brother, he is a what? Liar. For he, loveth not his, for he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he say he loves God? Whom he cannot see. God is saying that. that he won't come and fall on me here. The way in which we know that you love me is that you extend that love to your brothers. Now, there's a very powerful story. I've told this before, but it came back to me, all right, and it, it exemplifies this. The chief justice of South Africa, I don't know whether he's still there, all right, but when they were doing the uh, final interview for his appointment, the the outgoing chief justice, and they're both born again Christians, but this story doesn't have to do with their being born again, asked him that can you tell us a story that happened in your own life that had shaped the way, manner in which you see life and treat people? And he said, all right, I'll tell the story. And he said, when I was young, my father, maybe I think maybe died early. His mother was working. He... he he applied to go to university. He got into university. There's something that they call in their system matric, all right, which means you can do it like a diploma store. And you can go and work after that. He said he did that, but he wanted to go and go and read law. And that the feeling among everybody around, because his mother had lost his job, she was taking care of his other siblings, and, you know, she was knitting and um, selling jerseys. Yeah, that's what he said. All right. And that she didn't have much money. And he was wow, doing the work in the house to get money to feed the family. And since he was going to law school, he knew he would not be able to do all of that. So he decided that what will he do? And everybody in his family said, look, why you go to law school? You've done your diploma. Go and work with that. People have worked with that. I said, no, I want to go and read law. He said, so he went into town. So he just walked into the mall and saw a wealthy Indian, all right, trader. And he walked up to him and said, this is my plight. I need, all right, money for my mother constantly for the next three years for them to be able to feed. Once I graduate from law, and I will come here every time and show you my score so you know that I'm doing well. Once I graduate and I start working, you will give me a schedule through which I will pay back and I will pay you all the money back. And the man said, that's not a problem. Didn't ask. He said, that's not a problem. He said, that's not a problem. He said, what we're going to do is that there's no need for your mother to come for money here. I'll give you a voucher. 
All right? Every time you tell your mother to come and I'll give her a batch of a certain amount, she can go into the supermarket and buy food and buy anything that she wants there with it, and your family can feed. He said, thank you very much. All right. Three years down the line, he finishes law school. He comes to meet the man, all right, and says to the man, now I've graduated, I'm going to start working. What's the payment plan? And he's at that point, he broke into tears. He said, the man looked at him. He said, I'm not, I had no intentions of getting the money back. The only thing I ask of you is what I have done to you, do it to other people. That is what God is telling you. That the same love I show you, show other people. If you believe I've forgiven you of all your sins, when others offend you, forgive them. Do you get what we're saying here? These are the two things upon which, all right, our Christian experience, all right, rests. And that is the way and manner in which, all right, we'll make a headway. Now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 also, we'll see it here. 1 John 4, verse 10 to verse uh, 12 here. Herein is love, not that we loved God, so that's not it. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the foundation of Christianity is not that we loved him. The foundation of Christianity is that God so loved this world that he gave. So the foundation is the love of God. It says it there. It says not that we loved him. Put it back. Here is not, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent Jesus to be a substitute for our sins. Verse 11. He now says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to do what? Love one another. You can see he's not saying we love God here. Do you see what we're saying here? Do you see it here? All right? Okay, then the next verse there. It says, No man hath seen God at any time. Same thing he said in the other verse. If we love one another, that's to love God. God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So God's unconditional love, all right, demonstrated in Christ towards us, and we're extending that same love to others. Now, the highest expression, therefore, of our faith, and as we go into it, we'll see this, is not even in our declaration of his word, but the highest expression of our faith, if we're working by faith here, is to work in obedience to the commandments of love that brings about death to self. That's the highest, all right, that's, that's the highest expression of faith. When a person, and I don't tell the story because of time, but that's, you could, if you remember the story we told our bishop, Butler, how he got the finances, where God told him, gave him an instruction to go and demonstrate love to, all right, his pastor that had left and all of that, and that act unlocked, all right, supernatural blessings into his life. Now, we see this in Philippians, all right, chapter 2 and verse 8. You see what we're saying here? He says, Philippians 2, And being found in fashion as a man, all right, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now, he talks about the type of death, which is the death of the cross. Now, the death of the cross is death to self. And let me say a short story here that happened to me, and it's quite funny, all right? Friday. But I'm sure you'll be able to identify with it. You know, you know, you know, you know, if you are eating and you have rice and you have this, just to give to maybe you really, this piece of chicken that you have always wanted to eat, you have dreamt about, and it's right there. You know, it doesn't really matter if they take the rice. Somebody go and say, can I have the rice? The problem is with the, okay, so you get it. All right, then. So 
to give the rice, nothing dies. To give that chicken, something inside you will die. So I haven't said that. You know, uh, this on Friday, when I was coming back from Abuja after midweek service, so I, they, I mean, one of the staff, she always helps me to check in, and she, she works. She, I mean, she used to work, and she, I didn't stop. She located Canada and said she can continue working because all the work she could do, she could do it largely online. So even payments that happen inside, you, you say it's quite funny the way the world is. People that want payments, I right, send to her in, in Canada. She clears the payments, sends it to me. I clear the payments. So she's still working as, all right? Payment, diesel, everything. Okay. So she checks me in, in my flight. She does all my checking in, all right? And it's good for her because sometimes when it's 3 a.m. here, it's uh, her. So she knows the seats I like. She knows I like window seats. So I said that chicken so I can absorb myself. I like window <laughs> seats. Okay. And so she checked in and said, and said, 2F, you have 2F. Usually I like 1F, but she said 2F. So I got there. And there was a chap. So I asked the guy, because I saw somebody sitting on that window seat. So I asked the air host, 2F. He said, you are the window. Ah, I said, good. So I got there. And I said, that's my seat. All right. And a guy greeted me and said, that's my seat. So I said, no. He said, no, I'm window. I said, come, come and look at it here. And he looked at it, but I think he didn't know how the sitting is. He said, no, it's window. I'm window, 2D. I said, then I realized this is argument now. Over window or I. Ah. I said, it's just 15 minutes flight. Ah, he pained me, but. <laughs> <laughs> but. I obeyed God. Eh? I died to self. Now you can imagine what Abraham died to when he gave up that land to Lot. Do you get death to self now? That's what Paul was saying when he said, I die daily. So the experiences where this is your will, but love tells you, let's go of this thing. And you let go of this chicken. Do you get what I'm saying here? Let, now when you hold on to the chicken and you know what you're doing and you give the rights, the Holy Spirit knows you have kept the better part for your own self here. So is death there to self? Now, when that happens, what's the consequence of it? Verse 9, all right? Colossians 2, verse 9. It says, therefore, because he obeyed that way, Colossians 2, 9. Oh, sorry, Philippians 2, 9. All right, Philippians 2, 9. Therefore, wherefore God has what? Highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow, uh, things on, now, on earth and underneath the earth. Listen, no confession can get you that. Do you get what I'm saying? When they came to meet Jesus and said, we want to be on the left and right, and he said, can you be baptized with the baptism? Which means um, you're going to have to obey me in some things that will cost you yourself. All right? And there will be death to self because it's against. And forgiveness is one of the, in fact, the cross, we can call it forgiveness. To forgive a person that has deeply hurt you, all right, is direct death, all right, to self. So, sometimes in Christianity, we presented the message as an angry and a very stern God, which means the Father was angry and very stern and judgmental. And then Jesus came to die to pacify him. And he said, ah, I'm now pacified. Okay? So, okay. Well, you still see streaks of my reluctance. But Jesus has tried for you, all right, as an angry. That's not what he was. God is a loving God. 
It was God who started the plan. For God so loved the world. Do you get what I'm saying here? It wasn't that God was so angry with the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus, Romans 5, 8, all right, and died for. So the father is the love of the father. Now, the reason why he sent Jesus to die, this example we can give, all right, if, uh, now, this is what God is saying. This paints a picture here. So God really wanted to bless us, and, you know, it's in his heart as a father, but, you see, legally speaking, he couldn't do it because of the sin that was in man from the fall of man, and man, therefore, had no access to him, and it would have been unjust for him to do certain things, all right, just like that. It's just like saying that a parent wants the child to pass an exam so much wants the child. But that parent can't go and sit for the exam for the child. That's illegal. That's unjust. And many times when we are praying to God, what we're asking him to do is come and do the exam for us. Do you get what we're saying here? It's unjust. So what the parents will do is that in order to make that child pass, because you have to pass the exam, okay? All right, he now says, the parents said, or they say that we'll get a teacher that will do extra lessons and all of that so that when you sit for the exam, and I will pass all of my knowledge to you concerning this thing. So when you sit for that particular exam, you have my knowledge, you have the knowledge of your teacher there, and you will be able to do well. So what God says is, now, I want certain things to happen in your life, but I have, can't do it directly this way. So let me send, all right, Jesus and send the Holy Spirit so that you will be in a position where, as a person, right, you can do certain things and you will be able to act in certain ways that will cause me, all right, to be able, all right, to do that. So two distinct things must be perfectly understood. When you are confronted with a situation, number one, that God, you have to know this, loves me. You understand that God actually loves me. And you don't judge God's love for you through circumstantial or right, stuff. You don't judge it by what is going on around. All right, you don't look on the outside and say, Well, it looks like because things don't. That's why you have to understand the love of God is the basis of our faith, is the base of everything. All right, that we'll receive in our lives. You must understand that love. So uh, you don't look around and say, Well, uh, like, like, um, uh, said Naisa, he said, Lord has forsaken me. Uh, why is he forsaken you? Looked around and said, Look at the condition. All right, inside my life now, God must have forsaken me there. And God said, I cannot forsake you. I, a woman might forget her child, but it's impossible for me to forget you. In other words, he affirmed his love, all right, right there, which is the key to the success. Uh, same thing with Jonah. Jonah said, they that behold lying vanities, those that behold, which means you look on the outside, 
and use that to judge God's attitude. God is not, and I won't get into it, what agape is. God is not moved by those. God is love. He's not, you know, you do, whatever happens doesn't change him. He is love. If you're a man, you're a man. If you're a man and I come and I dance around you this way, it doesn't change you a man. If you're a woman and I dance, it doesn't change anything. If it rains, it doesn't rain, it doesn't change anything. Listen, anything on the outside doesn't change God's character. That is who God is. He is love. And he says, I have engraven you upon the palms of my hands. Your walls are continuously before me. Lamentations 3 verse 22 tells us about the mercies of God that fail not. And if it had not been for his compassion, he says it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. So when you're in a situation, understand, all right, as we get into this series, we'll talk more about it. God's love for you as a person, acknowledge that. And Jonah showed us, he acknowledged it with thanksgiving, acknowledging the fact, and that's how you begin to receive that love and experience that love by acknowledging that. As Jehoshaphat said, he is good and his mercies endureth forever when he was surrounded by armies. He said, God is good and his mercies endureth all right forever. So he acknowledged the goodness and the mercies of God. Now, the second thing when you're in a situation is this. Identify people within that situation that might have robbed you wrong, off wrongly or something happened or um, maybe something happened. You're in a crisis and you feel, oh, this person disappointed me. Oh, this person betrayed me. Oh, I lost my job. Oh, this person lied on me. Identify, all right, people there and make sure the same love that God has for you you extend that love to those people. On these two things lies spiritual breakthrough. There's one, you acknowledge the fact that I'm not judging God by circumstances. God, you love me and I thank you for this love. And I'm going to experience the power of your love here, all right, in this situation, your mercy and everything. Number two, all right, identify people that are in that situation there that you might have robbed you of wrongly. You know, when the Bible says he that hateth his brother, that word means loveless, which means something has happened and has diminished your love for that person or you are now of it and it's there. Identify and make up your mind that I'm going to extend God's love. If you do that, if you do that, because every test is actually a test of love. Your love for God all right, which means whether or not you as a person appreciates that God loves you. And number two, the test of, all right, you're extending that love towards people. Now, I get to the second part, all right, of the message, which is what is this love that we're extending to people? And this is very important and liberating here. Now, in the, and I will quote the Greek words. I don't usually do this, but I will do it because so that people is clear. This God kind of love that we extend to others is called in the scriptures, the New Testament, in Greek, it's called agape, which is an agape, or you can define it as an unconditional love. Now, there are four Greek words for love, and what you must understand is the preachers of the Bible originally were Jewish people, so they didn't preach in Greek. The, the, the scriptures were translated from Greek to English, all right? Because Greek was that language they wrote it after so that the whole of the Gentiles will understand. But it was first of all preached there. So when they went to the Greek language, 
and looked at what Paul wrote and looked at what Jesus said and read it. They looked at four Greek words. Now, in English, we just say love. So, English will have been a very poor language for scripture because a lot of meanings in scripture will have been hidden when you just use English because we just say love. So, this is what I'm saying. You'll see it. When we just say love, your, that's why people go into bondage. You're going to see it. When they say, I love people that are in church, people don't really understand what that word means. So, they think it's something else. And when they don't, they don't feel like that towards that person. They think they are not, no longer walking in the love of Jesus Christ. Now, so there are four Greek words there that mean love. And the first one is called eros, all right? And this is a love between sexes. In other words, when a, when you, a man says or a woman falls in love with each other, all right? It is, it is a love that is between, all right, sexes there. It is physical love. Uh, a brother doesn't. A brother doesn't have that kind of love for his sister, all right. Which means he can't fall in love with his sister. Some other stranger comes and falls in love with his, all right, sister, or the sister falls in love with a stranger. Do you get what I'm saying here? And they're just walking one day, and you just met the person, and it, they were overwhelmed by that thing. Do you get what I'm saying here? Love, total stranger, love at first sight. You get what I'm saying here? All right. And they don't want to even talk to anybody. It's on that person's phone call. They want to be taken. Meanwhile, you people that have been investing all your life with the person. All right. That's what is called eros. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Now, the second kind of love is called storge. Okay. All right. Spelled S-T-O-R-G-E. And this has to do with family affection. Now, it's not the same thing as eros. It's a family affection there. All right. Or the love you can have for your nation. All the love you can have for your team. So when someone say, I'm this, I'm, I'm Arsenal, or I'm you, that's story. All right? It's that love, that affection that they have. Right, you follow what I'm saying here? Okay. All right? Then the third is called filio or philia. And it means to look at someone in an affectionate way. All right? Love of friendship. Or even that which exists between a husband and a wife. So, you know when people say, marry your friend. What they are saying is, make sure that when you have eros, that there is filio. This podcast is brought to you by the Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.